When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone, welcome back to Who Got The Assist as FPL makes what could be termed a tepid return and moods are probably as far in the doldrums as many ranks are around the place. All of this means that Sam's probably chosen a good week to slide away off to Turkey to sun himself. And instead though, I'm delighted by the return of Nick to the pod, co-founder of the venerable institution known as WGTA, who's back, in the sit- back to sit in the chair this week. Nick, I've got to rep- reprimand you before you come in for your suggestion uh, that I should have kids uh, as we start. Uh, my daughter lived out the dream of many in the FPL community, I think, and poked me in the eye pretty badly earlier on. Uh, I've only got one good eye for this pod, uh, so it's going to be extra fun. Uh, this is why the lights are low for those watching on YouTube, and if I am kind of putting a towel in my face and stuff, it's, it's just because of that really painful. I haven't poked it in the eye for nearly 30 years, I'd imagine. So, yeah, it's getting better, man, but, oh, God, not great. Anyway, uh, you're right, mate. I think we worked out over the weekend. It's been, what, a year since we last podded together? Hey Tom, yeah, I think it has actually been a whole year. Um, and sorry about your eye, and apologies again. But um, that's going to be the first of many war injuries that you pick up from being a father. Uh, <laughs> but yes, it's certainly been a lot, a lot of change since we last podded together. As you said, over a year ago, you've had a baby, and I'm now obviously I'm obviously part of the father club as well. My daughter started nursery today, which is exciting. That's the uh, that's the married with children life that I'm living now. So you know. <laughs> Yeah, far reach from five years ago when we started this pod when we were still in our 20s just about yeah well, i think we would say 26 20 tw- i would say 27 i think so when we started and it was all kind of like yeah come around you came around my house for the first one had quite a few beers and then to kind of record the pod on my kitchen table i seem to remember so yeah for a far cry from where we are now <laughs> used to be anyway. in the work office as well <laughs> back in the day God. well memories anyway let's get on yeah, so um, on this on today's pod, uh, we'll be doing contemplate this week. Um, are we going to declare the template dead, or is it time to wildcard? Um, continuing on from the discussion from last week as well, or can we actually show patience? And we'll also be having a discussion on trust. How do players become trusted, especially with the consistency thin on the ground currently? We'll be covering bold claims as always, and the remaining listener questions. We're also recording on Monday, 18th of September. It's the second half in the Forest Burnley game. So we'll be keeping an eye on that one. Though Tom's already lost his clean sheet, so he's, he's less interested now. Yeah, no, so I think one more save from uh, from Turner will give me three points from him, which should be you know, 
welcome on this sort of week. Um, I mean, let's do scores on the doors quickly. I think uh, you, you're first, Nick. I mean, you you did done relatively okay. If we're going to say forty four points is okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit disappointing. It's a red arrow for me, uh, but not a mate, not a massive one, and uh, been relatively consistent so far this season. Perhaps you, you could describe it as consistently crap, but in terms of our um, <laughs> mini leagues, uh, I still seem to be relatively near the top, so I, I can't complain too much. But yeah, forty-four points, um, not not too much to shout about. I think perhaps my biggest differential was a uh, Levy Coldwell uh, clean sheet for six points. Um, Saliba also picked me up a clean sheet for six points and, and Saka got his assists uh, for six as well but the rest of the midfield was pretty dire you know Sterling, Rashford, Waymo and Madison all getting twos and ones and in the forward line it's the usual man Harland that I captained for the 12 points which pretty much everyone did the same so not much of a differential there and, and Ollie Watkins with another five pointer just picking up the assist yet again but yeah said 44 all out pretty mad week we'll, we'll move on pretty swiftly i think yeah did you make any moves not yet but we'll cover that shortly. i mean i mean last week um yeah i got madison in uh, for okay. matoma so um it was a loss on that particular one because madison yeah, only got the one point and got yellow but uh, <laughs> never mind yeah, yeah, your OR is a little bit better than mine as well, isn't it? I seem to remember. I think you're not, not too far ahead, but I think, yeah, as you said, it's just one of them where it's uh, just kind of motoring. I think you're in the top, you're, you're in the top million, something like that, aren't you? So that's probably yeah, 600, 600k at the moment, but that might change once the auto subs kick in. Very decent. Well, I am on, I think I'm going to end up on 41, uh, 42 if Turner gets another save. Um, I think I had mainly the main returnees that Nick had. Um, I think it's a game week known pretty much all around the world as a pretty terrible one. I think the key headline for me, I mean, I know Nick, you said that everyone captained Haaland, but there were quite a few people, at least on socials, who captained some, and Haaland should really have buried them. Um, we should be half a world away from them right now. An XG of 2.56 in one game. That's more XG than all but seven players in the Premier League this season. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's actually quite unlucky to only get the one goal there. As you reference, a bit of a Digsby's dinner everywhere else, and it's just fallen down the ranks even further, 1.7 million. Uh, but as we'll discuss, I, I'm not really, at the moment, minded to to wildcards. I, I think I was kind of a bit more bullish about it um just before the international break and maybe i should have done it then but now i don't know i just i as we'll discuss i'm i'm, I'm probably just not feeling it um yeah and uh, um, but i think one of the big pieces of news that we should probably discuss before we get into contemplate um is about the loosen and burnley double um which is coming up in game week seven um anything for it are you going to be making any plans for it i mean i i feel kind of stubbornly lukewarm about it as some might say it's a bit of a trap i'd agree with you there yeah i've no real interest at all in luton players or burnley players really for that matter i mean this this might be us just being seasoned veterans at this game but just like we've just been through so many disappointing double game weeks involving sort of Premier League minnows at the bottom of the table where we've got excited and we've all captained Emmanuel Dennis or whoever it is, you know, and or Troy Deeney and it, it's never worked out. 
um, when these doubles sort of arise and, and instantly you look at your teams and you're like, why am I loaded up with triple Watford or triple West Brom or whoever it is at the time? And you just want to get rid of these players as quickly as possible. So I, I just, I think I'm just going to quietly ignore it. I think like, I can't even be bothered to get one player in. I know you've got the hots for Morris. Um, she's picked, don't, don't picked think, you in, in the draft, so. but um, <laughs> aside from like, you know, some people perhaps, you know, opting for a goalkeeper or something like that maybe would be one option if you're desperately looking at your goalkeeping lineup and think, you know, or sick to death or banana or whoever it is. Maybe you could go for one of the goalkeepers pottering or maybe, but I just, it's just not for me, to be honest, these doubles. I just can't, can't be bothered with them. And, uh, well, and Fodderingham's not, not even playing the double, Nick. It's uh, sort of Trafford or Kaminsky, I think, your, uh, your, your choices. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how little you know these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I mean, I, I've, I've got Kabore in my team, and I think that would probably be that. Like, I was speaking to people on uh, X about it, and, you know, a few guys like FPL Bateman were saying, you know, they've got Bayer, Kabore, got, maybe got another kind of player lurking around can get a Morris and or a Foster in and are looking at bench boosting but I mean it's very much about kind of latently where your team is and I just it's one of those where like you've got to sound the alarm of caution about these things it's not really the one where I'm going to be kind of going all out to bench boost like I know that for example friend of the pod uh, FPL brain is looking to wildcard this week and bench boost in that week but I just kind of feel like yeah okay it's, it's just not I don't know it just, just doesn't excite me at all basically uh, well let's move on to contemplate I think and I think that you know, there's a few things to talk about this week the main one being of course that people are crying their heart out about the, about the result I think there's a lot of people especially in the engaged community who simply feel like you know it's just not worked for them over the first kind of four or five weeks and there are a lot probably more wildcards pop in now i think the, the pro template sort of stance is wildcard get out get out you know completely remove your team go that out and try to get, come back with something new but the contemplate stance is sort of patience and continuation fpl cullen got the ball rolling here with a really nice question actually so the question for the next pod has the template failed this year average points are down 7.34 percent game week five this year to last is there anything we can infer from the fact that the numbers are a lot lower this year and the ranks are a lot lower on mass so i don't know it may be said the template is dead nick i can't recall a starting failure this catastrophic in recent years that we've differentiated with one or two players owning like an alvarez or a Salah has done the business for a lot of people whereas template individuals like Bruno and co are blanking you know, four times out of five. I mean, can you slip inside the eye of your mind and remember any situation like this from your past years and the past years we've podded together? I feel like this year particularly has been a little bit slow, but I do remember like when we first started the pod, like we had such a catastrophic sort of game week one, the first couple of years, we used to always talk about game week one being like, the fail that you know the biggest fail ignore game week one because we're all going to have shockers and we'll move on and, and slowly things will slip into gear it's actually kind of reversed a little bit i feel like just in the last couple of years like mm. i've had some brilliant game week ones and then everything has slowly descended into chaos so i feel like you know this this season has been a little bit slow a little bit static because you know a lot of these picks at the start of the season martinelli being another one who was perhaps in a lot of our game week one teams and yeah. has just been disappointed, had a little bit of an injury now as well. Um, and yeah, Bruno, as you said, blanking four games out of five. 
Rashford hasn't really kind of excited us too much, even though he's sort of leading in terms of the XGs and stuff like that uh, for midfielders. He's, he's not really got started. He's only got the one goal so far against Arsenal. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a bit poor, hasn't it? It's been a bit rubbish, but... Uh, I feel like it's not. I don't feel like there's anything to get too upset about. We're all in a similar no. situation, as you said, as was made the point in terms of the actual overall points. We might all be disappointed looking at our, our sort of forties and our fifties, but if that's just generally what the average is looking like, then you know no one's falling behind the curve. We're all kind of competing on the same playing field, and we can look forward. And, and no one's kind of out the picture so far. So it's you know I'm relatively positive going forward for the rest of this season. Yeah, it's definitely. I guess with with price being removed from the equation, it's very much about a season of moments. I think at the moment, it's, that's kind of what's happened. Where you've got a couple of individuals going supersonic, like FPL Fran getting Sterling and Gusto uh, versus Luton, and friend of the pod Jan Batra um, getting in Son versus Burnley. And I don't know. It's one of those where. Um, you haven't had that level of consistency. And as you said earlier, it's just been consistently crap over since game week one. But game one was fairly kind of encouraging. For a lot of people, it has sort of just slid downhill a little bit. And there are some answers in the data as well. So, for example, Chelsea and United, massive underperformances in terms of XG. Chelsea are now up to minus 5.0 on their expected, um, which is just shy of Everton. Um, and United are up to minus 3.0 on their XG. And Bumo, even though he has returned, is probably singularly culpable for Brentwood, Brentford being at uh, minus 2.2. A Freudian shout out for my hometown there. <laughs> and, you know, if those things were slightly different, then I think that we'd probably be painting more positive tale. On You've got kind of individual players as well. So Watkins and Jackson are both on minus 2.0 plus on SGI. Watkins is actually fourth for non-pin SGI now, and Jackson is third. But to show for their efforts, you've got Watkins, who has got, yeah, four returns, but they're all assists. And you've got Jackson with one goal and four yellow cards and Bruno and Rashford who we mentioned Rashford both won XG down where they should be Bruno still third for XGI of the season so we suppose all in and around the template Nick but they've just not quite matched up to expectations have they and that's just been happening kind of time and again all around the spectrum like people who did for example look past the idea that you could kind of go with Martinelli who you mentioned Saka Rashford and uh, Bruno plus 6.5 as the midfield to begin with. I'm just thought, you know, sod that. I'm just going to get Salah in because he's a uh, consistent, amazingly consistent. Uh, those people have sort of profited, and you know, it's it's been a very good start to the season for them. But for a lot of us, it has been sort of hoping those moments go your way. And there's been a lot of sort of chasing as well. So buying in Son last week, and um, we'll get, I guess, that in bold claims, and buying in Sterling the week before. But there's definitely been, I don't know, more of that than ever before that we're kind of a kind of wandering around aimlessly and uh, wandering the corridors not really knowing what to do and just kind of landing on the guy who scored loads of points the week before it, it, it does seem like there's more of that than ever before does that tally with what you think or do you, do you kind of think differently I'd agree with you there I think certainly you know some people might have stayed with their original team not made too many moves and and sometimes we preach the importance of being idle, not making any changes, sticking with your original team. And I think actually, like, 
if I hadn't made any changes at all, I, I might even be in a better position than I would be now because uh, some of the moves I've, I've made, for instance, when I swapped out um, Bruno for Mbumo, that paid, that blew up in my face immediately and I didn't get any points. The other players I've brought in since then have been kind of in that same sort of points-chasing vibe. So I brought mm. in Sterling, but that was obviously after his haul, um, and he's blanked two games in a row. The other player I brought in actually was Ben Chilwell because I just massively regretted not having him in that Luton game. And um, yeah. and then he didn't even play. Well, he played and got the yellow cards, and he got zero points this week. Um, and the other player I brought in this week was Madison. There's another case where I was sort of chasing points, so to speak. He's only just yeah, got yeah. him one point. So um, I think there's certainly a case for like, you know, you, well, obviously we're always trying to chase the evolving template. And as part of the game, you're never going to be in the same, have the same players that you start with game week one and, and do particularly well unless you're very, very lucky. So we're always trying to chase the points and, and follow the trends to a certain extent, but even that's not worked out. So, you know, I think it's been, I think it's been very tricky trying to kind of keep up with the template yeah. and, and follow that template because the template is constantly shifting and almost to the point where I'm looking at this week and I'm like, is there even a, a template out there just because there's so many poor performers and, and nobody's yeah, really showing that spark? Absolutely. I mean, um, it creates that sort of keeping the faith versus the urge to change dynamic. So FPL Dread asks, um, hi Jules, um, are we knee-jerking slash raging? Or are we, if we are wildcarding, pressing the reset to get ahead of the coming template? And Jimmy the Claret, um, I think you kind of answered this, Nick, actually, says not player-specific, but what's your thought and reflection process to resist race-transferring slash knee-jerking someone out? Now, I said last week that any wildcard now is reactive, and it still is. Week by week, we're getting more data, which helps sort of understand what's going on. But I, I, there is a part of me, I mean, we mentioned the wildcard last week that I put together. Like, If I'd gone with that, I'd be better off than I this week, mainly because of Alvarez, I think. The rest of the team would have kind of scored out evenly. Um, but I mean, do we wildcard now is, is the question that a lot of people are asking. And uh, Dave Aston, if you're loaded up with the likes of Chelsea and United, you just wildcard. So taking Dave's question, also Dred's question, I mean, is it sort of knee-jerking to be removing the likes of Chelsea and United, Nick, or are you, as uh, Julian references, just trying to get ahead of the coming template? It sounds like you're quite sceptical about what that is and where you're going with that. Yeah, I am a little sceptical. Uh, and I know that Chelsea and United have been very poor um, and very disappointed so far this season and, and not given the returns um, that we're expecting. But I look at their, I look at their fixtures and I'm like, they're actually really good. I mean, Chelsea have Villa... Fulham and Burnley in the next three. United have Burnley, Crystal Palace, Brentford, then Sheffield United. So in terms of the fixtures, the temp it doesn't feel like the right moment to use the wild card. I, I always like to cat catalyze on sort of a, a fixture shift when I'm wild carding as well as a form shift. And but at the moment, I'm not really seeing the form shift or the fixture shift in terms of players that I would want to bring in. So some of the teams, for instance, that have done better this season, likes of Arsenal and Spurs. They've got a tough run for the next three. So there's not lots of players that I'm going to be wanting to bring in from either of those clubs this particular week. So Arsenal and Spurs obviously playing each other, but uh, Spurs also have um, a game against Liverpool after Arsenal. And Arsenal have um, Bournemouth, but then they've got Manchester City and Chelsea after that. So that, that's tough fixtures um, for both of them. So in terms of bringing in players from those clubs, I don't really have any interest in that. 
I look at Liverpool as well. Liverpool, obviously, a, a team that people are targeting on their wild cards. And the only person, I guess, that you might be tempted by is Mo Salah because the rest of the team, in terms of the attacking lineup, there's there's just a little bit too much rotation there. He's trying to fit in, and you know, Nunes and Gakpo and Diaz, and you know, they don't all fit in that team, unfortunately. So someone always has to miss out, and it's it's very tricky to call who, who that's going to be. So that's a challenge. And then with Liverpool as well, they've got West Ham at home, which is, you know, it's a decent fixture, I suppose. But after that, they've got two really tricky ones in Spurs and Brighton away. And we know what Brighton are like this season. They'll probably beat Liverpool. So I'm not really seeing the appeal of Liverpool. And then the only other team, I guess, is Manchester City. And most of us probably already are doubled up anyway. So maybe just find that third member in Alvarez or Foden or whoever it is and bring him in on a on a free transfer as opposed to, to wildcarding. So I guess, you know, my, my point is that Manchester United and Chelsea have been poor, but what are the other options there? I, I did have a quick look at market forces, even though that's not a member of, and that's not featured the pod any longer. And I saw <laughs> Sorry, um, that it was, uh, that's all right. That's all right. And I saw outside of Alvarez, the second most transferred in play was uh, James Ward-Prowse. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound a particularly exciting transfer in. I mean, they've got Liverpool up at home next and, uh, yeah, I think that just kind of shows a little bit of the malaise right now that the, the most hyped midfielder in terms of the transfers in right now is, is Ward-Prowse, um, who's obviously started very well for West Ham, but still not a, a sort of a break-your-budget and wild-card type transfer in, is he? Yeah, I mean, there's a question, like, can we retell anything at all from what's happened? It just feels like there's an array of definitely maybes sort of out there at the moment. Like, I know our entire sensibility to me feels a bit appended, basically. Like, think back at the start of the campaign, we were all so certain it was easy to pick these teams um, and you know, have them loaded with these amazing assets. And we were all convinced that we were going to be up in the sky when it came to, the, to OR right now. Um, either we got really unlucky got it wrong or a bit of both but I mean, one positive sort of outcome from all of that is that i feel like it's nice there's a fragmentation now a little bit between individuals and yeah that may have some kind of knock-on effects so for example if do look people do wildcard this week um salah as you mentioned is probably going to end up becoming a bit of a threat to a lot of people and something you're gonna have to think about right, how do I deal with that every week? And how do I counter that? Do I kind of try to go there? Um, but yeah, the, I did put together like a max value wildcard, like I mentioned last week, you know, I'm trying to make the best team I possibly could with, them, with all the money-ish I had in the bank and looked at it and thought, yeah, is this where I'm going to go? But I'm still not quite there. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just, I just feel like I need something kind of more concrete on a lot of this. It really feels like it's all up in the air at the moment, doesn't it? Like, I feel like it's taken more time than perhaps it has in the past for the season to sort of settle. And yeah, you know, we are all used to the sort of picks kind of coming and going early doors that kind of um, enter the template first couple of weeks and then disappear again. We all kind of hope that we kind of picked the next sort of Riyad Mahrez, next Michu. It's kind of, that's kind of why Jackson symbolizes kind of contemplate this week. And you, you can kind of see why people are getting a bit sort of twitchy. I mean, maybe you do need to look at the likes of, you know, JWP, um, do need to look at the likes of DRB and that sort of individual. But I don't know, maybe this is like a, a, a to, to kind of turn to the contemplate side of the pro template side is to, um, press the button and kind of reset and try to get ahead of the template. Maybe the pro template size is to kind of see this as kind of a net good thing, even though the ranks are net bad at the moment, because 
I mean, one, there's not much need, I don't think, Nick, to get into a good situation, is it? Like, there's a green shoot of hope that it doesn't take much to get into a good way because there are like not many points separating people. Yes, I know, cliche. And even if you are buying a template pickup like Alvarez this week, there's still that notion of kind of compound differentials because, one, your team is still altogether a differential. And two, you're going to have people kind of, wildcarding now which is going to again dilute the impact of how players um like the united players who do play burnley um who aren't as bad in terms of xg a as i thought they would be um and also the chelsea boys too so there's going to there's kind of a, a notion of difference which i don't think we kind of had last season which uh, towards the end especially which i think is a positive thing and there are going to be some players for whom it's the case if you know stand by me nobody knows where it's going to be after a few weeks especially if like uh, Sam was definitely kind of up for world card in game week kind of nine uh, during the international break in game week 10. I think that's where I'm going to. And all of this means there's more capacity to punt as well. As I said last week, attack the block. Captain's now nailed down the Haaland. And you can take those punts on the lights of, you know, JWP, DRB, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know, there's also Big at the Back, Nick. <laughs> I mean, you and I are going to live forever uh, with Big at the Back being a hallmark of what we're known for, you particularly. I mean, is there scope for you know, going for a player like Trippier or maybe even Trent if he's fit? Robertson scored this week. Like, you know, there's all of these players because the pricing system's so leveled that you can feasibly get in on now because things are so fragmented. I mean, I think that's a positive thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think certainly the likes of Trippier, you know, looking at those Newcastle fixtures, if you are wildcarding, I think that would be the opportunity to really sort of attack the fixtures, I suppose, and, and go for a team like Newcastle, who are really this week perhaps have their fixture shift. So they've got Sheffield United away and Burnley at home, West Ham Crystal Palace Wolves. That's a great opportunity to get on the likes of Trippier, who was obviously one of the star players of last season. We're seeing less of him in people's squad this year just because he's a lot more expensive. And that's the same about Trent as well. You know, Trent's been a bit of a stalwart for us over the past four to five seasons. But Again, I suppose alongside Trippier and Mo Salah, those are sort of three expensive players that people couldn't fit into their squads, whilst everyone else was, was fair play, you know, but like even the sort of second most expensive midfielders, um, you know, the likes of Rashford and Saka, we we had space for those guys in our in our teams, didn't we? So I think um if you are going to wildcard, then perhaps wildcard aggressively and go for someone like Trippier, um, Trent if he's fit and those injured. And you know, Robertson, as you mentioned as well, would be really interesting picks and uh, would be really good differentials as well, because I think that's the point of wildcarding. You, you, you're wildcarding so that you can get ahead of the curve and really jump ahead. At this moment in time, why I'm anti the wildcard is I'm just not seeing who those players will be. I can't, yeah. I can't pick them out. It, feel like, it feels a little bit like a lucky dip. And my problem with that, I guess, is like, it's all well and good going for the lucky dip and you might have some success. But if it goes wrong, you're going to want another wild card straight away yeah. almost. And in the meantime, everyone else will be wild card and you'll start falling behind again and you'll have a dodgy squad. So, yeah, for me, I said I'm just going to stick with the players I've got, I think, for now. And especially some of those Chelsea and United assets. And I know they've been really, really disappointing and those clubs are sort of in disarray. But I, I feel like their time... They've still got a little bit of time with those fixtures that are coming up. You know, Manchester United, they have to turn it around against Burnley, surely. And and Chelsea, too. They've got Fulham, Burnley, Aston Villa. Those are the next three. So I, I feel like there's still a little bit of time with those Chelsea players that we've picked. 
the defence is doing okay. Um, so I'm picking up those Levy Corwell clean sheets and Sterling <laughs> still feels like the star man. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give them another chance, I think. Yeah. yeah, you've got the underperformance by Chelsea against their XG. They've scored, what, it's five goals they've scored and their XG is kind of 10. So, yes, mostly due to Nicholas Jackson, who doesn't need to say sorry. He said it. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's very... Um, it's one of those where I always say every year about wildcards, just don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. At the moment, it feels like you are jumping off teams. Yes, I've seen loads of wildcards that you know don't have uh, don't have maybe Rashford or, or Bruno you know, with Burnley, Palace, Brentford, Sheffield United coming up. I mean, all it will take is one good result for the narrative to change or the mood to change around the club. And uh, we'll talk about, we've got a question about Rashford and Bruno later on, but I know I'd probably keep one of them. And equally, you've got people selling off lights of Saka as well to make room in the midfield for a Salah uh, to, to kind of move yourself forward. I mean, the Spurs game next, there's going to be some goals in that. I, I mean, I, I don't really kind of see how you'd go into that game without any sort of Arsenal attacking cover. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's one of those where I look at it and think, oh, OK, well, that's going to be quite an open game. There's going to be goals either end. Um, and also... Well, if you're selling Chelsea, it's one of those, again, well, yes, they frustrated. Yes, it's not really quite worked out how you kind of hoped, but it might be the case that these players do come through and it's kind of like a differential by mistake that you're kind of holding them. I don't know. I thought because everything's kind of gone so wrong, you've, you do have, as Dred mentioned, that dynamic between knee-jerking and just kind of, as I said, showing a bit of patience. I'm, I'm, I'm tempted... Um, maybe uncharacteristically from when you and I podded together full time, Nick, but in my current incarnation as a patient FPL manager to show that bit of patience with my players and just kind of see how it goes. Because I just feel like, you know, fundamentally, it just feels like everything sort of isn't settled. And it kind of feels to me like I don't really, I don't really have that trust in that many players at all. But I share your complete scepticism about where you're possibly going to go with the wild card and yes decimate the defense probably get Salah in try to kind of make something work with um with, with around kind of a hall and desk team uh with Alvarez and then I don't know I don't know where you go from that I guess you get double Newcastle defense and kind of see how it kind of manifests from there I, th- I suppose Newcastle is the one right now where there's a, a real fit kind of fixture shift but again I'm not too sure exactly where I'm going to be going with the Newcastle players, apart from getting in Trippier plus one more. That maybe it's a case that you go there and you get a Trippier and a Botman and just kind of double up on the defence. But is that enough to make well? I don't know. I don't know because, like, in terms of wild card, do you look at it like I'm going to be wild carding from from a position of kind of my team being knackered and working out of it? Or is it best to kind of wild card from position of strength sometimes? I feel like that's kind of always kind of understated a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I rarely wild card from a position of strength, to be honest. There's normally some form of chaos going on when I when I pushed a button. I don't think I can ever actually recall a time where I actually wild carded off the back of a green arrow, unless perhaps it was ahead of a sort of a double game week yeah. bench boosting or something like that. And even when I've done that in the past, it's not actually paid off. So I, I think, I feel like, you know, at this moment in time, my squad's not in great shape. It's not in disarray either. There's going to be other opportunities. It's still relatively early in the season. It's just not 
it's just not worth pushing the button. And as you said, Tom, and as I said as well, there's just not enough characters right now that I'm really wanting to bring them in. I mean, of course, it would be nice to own Mo Salah, but the reality of that is that I will have to have a sacrifice to get him in, and that would either have to be Rashford or Saka. And then I'd also mm. still have to find an extra four million from somewhere. So that wouldn't even be the only sacrifice. There'd be others within the squad. So with with that in mind, I, I just can't I just can't see that move happening uh, for me right now. I, I'll continue to obviously to monitor Salo and it might get into a position where I have to pull the wild card to get him in if he starts really starting to sort of turn up the tempo. But even then, I'm, I feel like you know, someone else perhaps in that Liverpool squad will also start to uh, make themselves undroppable, whether that's a Diego Jota or a Luis Diaz or, or suddenly Darwin Nunes starts really turning it up. And and maybe they'll be the, the Liverpool player to own. Or again, like we mentioned, Trent, if Trent's study, you know, comes back to fitness and when Liverpool have a bit of a fixture shift, which isn't right now, as I said, they do have Spurs and, Bur- Spurs and Brighton in their next three. There may be, yeah. after that international break, I will start to consider wildcarding and bringing in some Liverpool players. So overall, it sounds like we're sort of caught beneath a landslide of being contemplate. Like we both seem to be quite happy to just leave it for a week because we're both sort of ambivalent and nearing on sceptical about what we've actually do with our teams. I, I like your analogy of it being a bit of a lucky dip. And like, I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for those who are wildcarding. It certainly makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, you, you've, started and not really where you want to be and you're trying to make yourself work a bit further um in whatever you choose next but i I just haven't got that certainty yet a lot of the time it is about getting ahead of the curve which i completely appreciate it's just where i get ahead of the curve and who with i'm just a little bit skeptical of and i I, you're kind of quite strongly contemplate as well i mean do you have any sort of can you see from people who are wildcard's point of view why they're doing it? And are there any sort of players? I mean, me and Sam spoke about this last week. But anyone that you'd add to the list of players you need to bring in? I mean, if I was to wildcard, I would bring in maybe Foden, Salah, um, as you said, someone that would perhaps might be an interesting pick. I'd probably, I feel like you'd, you'd want to take some risks. So I might even consider someone like. Isaac or Wilson and I know that's kind of a little bit up in the air. I know Wilson hasn't been starting but he did score um, this week and then it was Isaac obviously that missed out this week but I just feel like you know there's going to be goals from that Newcastle forward line over the next four or five and perhaps I'd want to try and jump on that if I could and take a few risks. I'm not going to go as far as Anthony Gordon to be honest but I think there's there's certainly some interesting options out there. Um, yeah, going to take Gordon deep is on not good, is it? <laughs> no. Exactly, okay. uh, and even like someone like uh, Eberichi Eze from Crystal Palace, I think he's a really interesting pick this week if you were to wild card with the Fulham at home game. And there's Eze is another person that's performing very well in terms of um, sort of the non pen XGs, third for all midfielders with a uh, two point one six. So he's another one perhaps uh, that's starting to look pretty sharp and uh, might start to score a little bit more as well. 
maybe. Hopefully Roy's back fit as well. I mean, sorry, he was taking ill this week. Hopefully he's uh, back on the touchline for that game. Yeah, good old Uncle Roy. So I think that kind of leads us nicely into what we're talking about in terms of trust um, and in FPL, because it feels like that sort of is a, a, a commodity that's in a serious dip at the moment. I mean, how does a player, do you think, Nick, come to be trusted? So I just feel like I'm, I'm looking at my team at the moment. All right, when I go to sleep at night, um, some some nights when I want to keep the bad thoughts at bay, Nick, I like to think through my team and do score estimates. Like the ones I trust were always given, you know, returns. They're always given like sevens or eights. And then others you'll give them like, you know, two or you know, maybe kind of think, oh yeah, you know, maybe like my goal, my, my, my crappy goalkeeper like Turner will get a three points and that'll be all right. But I, I give very few players now, you know, a, a high guesstimate for scoring high. I assume that Holland's going to score 20 and then the rest of them I'm just not sure anymore I mean how does a player come to be trusted for you Nick is it pedigree and is it sort or is it sort of like just their kind of performances over the last few weeks I mean how does that work for you yeah I guess it's a little bit on reputation I always look kind of a little bit further in the past so any sort of former member of the uh, 200 club always kind of has gives me a little bit of a twinkle in the eye when when I bring them in so we had these sort of the newly found members of Bakayo Saka and and Rashford as well um, from last year and I I look at these guys and I think actually you know what they they were stars they were stars last year they're probably going to do similar over the course of the season even if the first four to five weeks have been a little bit low par, um, especially for Rashford. I look at them still and I think, you know, these lads are going to be 200 plus potentially at the end of the season, I could probably call it. Um, and same with obviously Erling Haaland, he's, he's the main man up front. And and even with um, with Sterling, you know, I, I look at him and obviously it's a little bit different now because he's not at Manchester City, but I look at some of his past performances and know that this guy has the potential. And after the Luton game, I was a bit giddy about bringing him in, thinking he might be able to to reach those former glories. But unfortunately, um, whilst I, I look at my team and I look at the names and I think, oh, yeah, I trust a lot of these guys. I don't really trust the clubs they play for, ironically, at the moment. So I just I just have very little faith in both Chelsea and Manchester United to yeah. get their act together, you know, even like Bruno was obviously another one who was 200 plus and someone we were all excited about having at the beginning of the season because um, he could fit in yet another midfielder that had entirely scored in the, in the past but had a lower price. But the way, you know, they were set up at the weekend just didn't work at all. Um, as a formation for Manchester United with the Diamonds and they just got ex- absolutely exposed on the wings there. And it just really concerns me what's going on <laughs> doesn't really concern me because I'm not actually a fan, but in terms of FPL, um, what's going on in Manchester United and, and what that means um, for the players at that club that are in my FPL team. And, and same for Chelsea, just like with, with all these new players, there's just no cohesion at all. They're, you know, they should have learned a few lessons from last year and not brought in another 10 players or whatever they did over this summer and sold another 10. Um, and Sterling seems to be their star player, but, you know, the, when they played against Luton, that was their big game that they did really well in. The rest of the games, they've been really poor. He basically, that was a solo effort to score his goal, wasn't it, at the end? Mm. He was the star yeah. man, but the rest of the rest of the team, you know, like some Madrick, are just really poor. And Jackson's not got firing yet either. So I guess I guess that's my problem. You know, I, I do trust these players, but, you know, I'm not convinced by their performances. And you look even like the likes of Brighton, that's a, that's a team that I do trust in, in their performances, it's like 
you know, even like a guy like Danny Welbeck's not been at Manchester United, left Manchester United nine years ago and he's scoring against them. But that's because he's at a club that's, you know, really well drilled and they're getting the best out of him because of that. And I think that's part of the part and parcel, perhaps, of the problem right now when it comes to trusting players. So that, that's my opinion anyway. I don't know if you agree with me at all or you've got a differing opinion. Trust. Yeah, yeah I think you're probably about right. Like, it, I think I've definitely kind of had that 200 club thing kind of high in mind, especially the last kind of couple of weeks, buying in Sterling week before and buying in Son. And both times I was thinking, you know, I was taking a forecasting gamble, effectively thinking, yeah, you know, they've got the pedigree there. That, you know, okay, they've, they've kind of had their start and now they're going to kind of push on. But I think it's interesting what you're saying about kind of the club versus player dynamic where you've got, yes, for, for Chelsea, un, a, a club which is kind of under construction and still kind of learning Pochettino's ways. And uh, un, for Spurs, you've got, with, with the Son situation, you've got Richarlison who's now come off the bench and scored and assisted. So maybe he didn't th- goes out to the wing again. And then, you know, you kind of, that's not really what you expected against Sheffield United. And it all feels very sort of like, transitory i guess where we are at the moment with players it was very sort of um there's no sort of tangibility about individuals within our team like the wire who i sometimes speak to listen to i wish i spoke to them but i listen to if i'm standing in the station needs of education in the rain they used to refer to glue guys in fpl but as you just discussed they look less sticky than usual like i said a couple of times that my um thoughts for this kind of early season was to just leave the defence and leave the strikers and just kind of spend my time basically messing around with the midfield and bringing players in. I've done that. You know, I brought in Bumo, did that kind of Bruno switch, which again was not profitable, but that's been the only time that Bruno's actually gone off and brought in Sterling, brought in Son, left Rashford and Saka thus far. I've left my defence, left my strikers. I was hoping that Watkins would be a player that you can trust. And yes, he's returned, but he's just looked, uh, we've got a question on him as well, but just not looked quite at the races. And the only player I think you can actually trust at the moment is Holland. Other than that, I, I think it's a bit of a, yeah, it's it's an evolving situation, and it's one which has evolved. It's evolving kind of a little bit later than everything else. It's, it's a case of give and take, I suppose. Uh, all, you always kind of just you pick players based on a, a whole array of factors, and there are varying degrees I think to which you trust certain players, especially early on, that you kind of they have that sort of you know subsistent quality about them that's going to eventually shine through like Rashford's a good example of that you mentioned his good data earlier on and the eye test too is bad for the football team but very good for FPL that he's being incredibly selfish at the moment like versus Bryson he was trying to score on a few occasions and I think it was probably the only time he actually did square to Hoyland uh, from a lot from the ball going off the pitch that they actually kind of linked up and there was a goal and um, so I don't know. I think it's a, again goes back to the sort of idea of patience, trusting in your players, and just kind of hoping for the best and hoping that quality sort of shines through. But I don't know. I, I'm a bit, yeah. I'm just at six and sevens really about where I go with a wild card and who I do bring in, and just kind of being. I'm very conscious of the fact that the game can change so quickly. And next week, you, all it will take is you know, Villa, Chelsea to be a high-scoring game, United to take Burnley down, and suddenly you're kind of thinking, oh, you know, it was a good decision not to wildcard, and I'm going to keep going forward. Whereas if you did wildcard, remove those players, then you know, all hell breaks loose, really, in terms of your thoughts. So, yeah, I'm, I, 
who's to trust i think is probably one of those kind of strands which looks through the contemplate um part of it and what we've just kind of pulled out a little bit that there is sort of a we have real trust issues i think nick <laughs> with fpl at the moment we have real trust issues with all of these sort of the landed gentry of players that we we now sort of play with uh, maybe it is i guess a time to look at the the jwp or something like that it, it just kind of i don't know if, if you're looking at someone like that who makes a lot of sense to bring in you know just leave him there and then, then maybe kind of that's the way season's going to go like you always need to expect the unexpected in fpl but this is kind of almost taking it to a whole new level i suppose of 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 the, of the unexpected so yeah trust is uh is, is it hard earned but easily lost that's probably where we are at the moment and maybe it's a case that we kind of trust a little bit longer um, than we can right on to um on to old bold claims uh, last week um it was a little bit better uh, for one of us. Uh, so I predicted uh, Bryson United to be five plus goals. Uh, I just missed out on that one uh, due to the Hoyland goal being ruled out. Uh, Sam actually predicted that Son would blank. So he actually gets off the board now, incredibly. And for listeners, MS Din, uh, who, the guy that we chose eventually, said Jimenez was the highest scoring player, which was a fail. So at the moment, it is Tom zero, Sam one, and listeners one. Nick, this week you're going to be representing the listeners. Um, I'm sure you'll be very pleased to be the man of the people, as usual. Um, so the, the, the uh, bold claims this week, Sam has managed to rouse himself from his son lounger in Turkey to send me Burnley to beat Man United <laughs> as his uh, bold claim. You can kind of, yeah, maybe given how my nice are at the moment, you can kind of see that happening. Uh, for me, I, I kind of think that it's probably going to be the case that United come roaring back. I mean, uh, am I being too, am I being too optimistic, Nick? It sounds like I'm not. I, I don't think I am, do you? No, I, I still feel United will win that one. Right. And I have gone for Sheffield United to score versus Newcastle and pop that clean sheet. I feel like that's sort of one of those things that is going to happen um, at the moment. It's just just the way FPL goes. Everyone's going to kind of pile into Trippier or pile into uh, Botman. And you know what? It's just going to be, uh, you know, Gustavo Hamer is going to smash another one in from somewhere. Yeah, well, they only, um, they only blanked in terms of goals in game week one. They've knocked out clean sheets for the likes of Manchester City and Spurs so far. So, yeah, by all means, Sheffield United could score against Newcastle. Hopefully, you'll get off the mark with that one. Well, the, the, the Chelsea-Bournemouth game was the first nil-nil of the season. Now, that's incredible, really, if you think about it. I can't remember the last time we got this far without nil-nil happening. And finally, your bold claim, Nick, of representing the listeners. Yeah, so my bold claim, and I deliberately didn't mention this guy earlier because I knew we'd be talking about him again, was that Jackson Sellers will be punished. I guess it kind of lends into a little bit of the discussion that we had earlier. Also, I think um links in as well um with our first question of the night as well. Yep, for sure. So, uh, it's the artist form known as FPL Virgin, Nick, your friend, who also asked for a public apology for Ayose Perez. So I assume, I assume you're not going to give, even now, many years down the line, uh, he asked, what do we do with Nick Jackson? Yeah, I don't recall anything about IOC Paris, so... You've you got a very long thread, Nick, but of no. course many of us in 2017 no. to buy the man, and it was I'm met with sure utter... That, no. 
<laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Mm. A little bit shaggy. Um, yeah, I guess I guess with um, Jackson. So, I mean, this is my opinion anyway. I, I said that they're going to be punished. That being said, it's it's still probably the right thing to sell him if you got a better move to bring in like Alvarez. It kind of like, I understand why you would do that, but personally, I still feel like you know there's potential in this guy. Um, and I understand obviously four one pointers in, in five. That's that's extremely infuriating, and and you know people are looking at their teams. He's standing there like a stone wall, isn't he? But you know people, I think ultimately he's eventually going to become a wonder wall. So <laughs> we'll see what happens there um he's, he's in terms of sort of the xg he's right up there um for uh sort of non-pen xg which is actually the highest in the league i think which 3.3 is more than any other forward certainly um so he, he's getting his chances and i think that's reassuring ultimately it's just the fact and we obviously saw it with that particular moment in one of the games um just not converting them but um, I, I do think, looking at Chelsea's run of fixtures for the next few, that he is going to get off the mark. And yeah. and also, I look at that Chelsea team as well, and I, I don't feel like, it, especially when Nkunku's still out, he's, he's not in a danger of being dropped. So, um, obviously, you know, don't bring him in because he's, he's on the sort of suspension tightrope. But if you are thinking about setting him, um, you could easily get punished in the next few. I'll, I'll cast no shadow on Nick Jackson. Uh, he has tried very hard, but as I said kind of a few times, he just looks a bit raw to me. I mean, there's something about the way he plays, something about, I mean, there's obviously a few kind of, a couple of misses thinking about the Sterling, the chance that Sterling laid on for him a couple of weeks ago. It makes me think, oh, there's just something kind of missing about that. It's very kind of interesting, as I said a few weeks back, that he's gone from being, and the Bournemouth fans were singing it, like Bournemouth rejects, like failing medical for Bournemouth and now signing for Chelsea off the back of quite a few goals. Like, I don't know. I, I think you're right that he does kind of, perhaps in terms of the data and everything else, like have perhaps a bit of grace in terms of our uh, patience with him, but Equally, I can see why people are just getting rid for Alvarez. It makes a lot of sense to be doing that to me. So, I don't know. If you're tripping up on City, though, Nick, and you've got Alvarez already, and you're in a 3 4 3 and you've got Jackson, I mean, would you just kind of give another week or would you kind of move him on? I mean, I don't know. It feels like you're kind of quite keen to just kind of see it out with him. Yeah, I think if you've got a 3 4 3 and you already have Haaland and Alvarez, then. You know, I would be tempted to keep him and not sell him, especially if you're looking at your midfield and you're seeing other players that you want to put out. It wouldn't be worth the hit. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the other forward options and some of the Newcastle lads, and there's this problems there in terms of who's playing, and that's a concern. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, Isaac Wilson it would be interesting punts, but you've got your rotation risk there. Um, and then you've got a little bit of sort of rotation risk, I guess, at likes of Arsenal, Liverpool as well, with some of those other forwards. Assets, um, Ferguson, obviously he's an interesting player, but then after his hat-trick, he only played five minutes against United. So there's, there's not really any standout picks. I mean, this one, Edwards would be an interesting punt, but would that be worth a, tra- a transfer out from uh, Jackson? Not really. So, yeah, I, I think he's... In terms of the options in the forward line, and sort of, he might well still be in my mind perhaps the third best pick that's out there at least for the next couple mm. of weeks until those pictures change again. 
Maybe. I mean, there's maybe you know, Lyle Foster got sent off at the very end of the uh, Forest Burnley game, um, but maybe there's like a scope to just bring in Morris now and just have him on your bench or mm-hmm. even play him against Wolves and just kind of hope that you know, bet on the double game week and maybe that's kind of the way you might potentially go if you were to remove Jackson and you didn't have, you you had Alvarez already. Um, but it comes back to what we were saying about trust again, about the individuals you could bring in, like our knee, I think, on the assist tonight. Um, so, again, he'd be another one that you can maybe have a look at. But they've got Sissy next. So where are you going to go with that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit of a tricky, tricky place to be, really, especially if we're buying in one-hit wonders or one-game wonders like Edouard or uh, Mateta or something like that. I mean, maybe if you're looking for some vague sense of longevity, you would go for a doubler um, in the, if in game week seven. They kind of hope for the best there. We're on the Newcastle guys. I mean, if you did kind of see that um, Isaac was playing in the Champions League, then maybe you might think, you know, Wilson, who got the nod this weekend, is going to play in the Premier League. Maybe maybe that's kind of how they're going to be kind of playing it. Um, because Wilson's not fit enough, almost definitely, to in the last season actually, um, but not fit enough to be playing both the Premier League and the Champions League, and kind of that kind of consistent drip feed of games. And maybe that's kind of a, a punt that you might take. But yeah, it's uh, uh, it feels to me like I don't buy, don't sell at the moment, unless you've kind of got Alvarez already. Actually, no. If you got Alvarez, if you don't have Alvarez, I think I'd probably move Jackson on for Alvarez at the moment, just because Chelsea are a bit rubbish. Um, but I won't, I won't be um, sort of moving on Sterling, for example, for anyone else. Just for, it really depends on what your eye test sort of thoughts are on Chelsea, because at the end of the day, right now, that's all we've really got, I think. Uh, next question. We're both at Watkins owners, Nick, and Sam's a Watkins owner as well. Uh, no, Jacobson, are people getting a bit greedy with Ollie Watkins? If you were told he gets four returns in the first five games, you'd take it. I own him and Diaby, and I've got no plans to sell either. As Villa are about to go on an amazing run of fixtures, hope people sell as he'll come good. What's your view on Watkins at the moment, Nick? Are, are you quite happy with it? I mean, it's the second penalty assist that he's got. <laughs> in just kind of scraped it at the very end of the game. He's just not looked fantastic. When I mean, you look at his expected data, you want those, those returns to be here now. But it's not happened. And I feel like he's a bit of a victim of tactical change with DRB entering the side, which is entering, entering the side, which has made him into a bit of a diversion basically and he just looks so low on confidence so i don't know i'm likely selling him for alvarez to be honest i mean what do you think it's a crazy situation but um, it's one of those where he's just not had that trust has he yeah um a little bit whatever about him to be honest i feel like he's kind of acting a little bit like raul jimenez of yesteryear and you remember that farmer meme which basically said it ain't much but it's solid work that's kind of what he's producing right now you know four returns out of five is one way of framing it but reality is it's just been assists there's been no goals so far and those assists have kind of come at sort of last minute like last week you know almost like by that point we've already cursed him out enough that he's kind of ingrained in his head in your head that he blanked so um uh, yeah, I'm just I'm not convinced by him, and it seems like a perfect opportunity to set him on for Alvarez. That being said, I guess like again, if you're kind of in a similar situation where you got a three-four-three, and Watkins is your third forward, it's similar to the kind of debate on Jackson. I guess it would be like a you know don't buy, don't sell type situation, maybe as part of your third forward if you've got other fires to put out in midfield. And I think that's kind of the view that's. Um, being put forward by Naf in the question. So um, 
And I think Diaby, uh, Diaby, he really good pick as well. Certainly one that I was interested in when he signed for Villa um, and started really well for them as well. So will be an interesting pick. I think with the next couple of fixtures, Chelsea and Brighton, they're going to be tough ones for Villa. But then obviously the fixtures shift again. So maybe even if I sell him right now, you know, I'm not ruling out that I'm going to be buying him back in uh, shortly afterwards, especially considering uh, okay, Luton at home in game week 10 and Luton feel like one of those teams that are going to be targeting this year. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I don't think he's one of those players that we're saying we're never going to buy again and we're done with and seen enough. But at this moment in time, it's, it's the right call for me to swap him out for Alvarez. Yeah, no, I'm the same. And I think I'm kind of hanging my hat on the fact that Chelsea have got the third best um, XGA so far this year. So I think it's it's one of those where, yeah, I'm sure that, as Nath says, he's he's about to go off against Chelsea. As soon as I sell him, he's definitely going to score. Um, But I I feel like selling him for Alvarez does seem to be the way I'm going to go this week. Um, FPL Mug um, also kind of touched on this. So he said the last three years, everyone was saying, I wish City players were more nailed and cheaper. Uh, this year, Alvarez is assured of regular minutes. Is the same price to West Ham players, cheaper than Villa and Chelsea and Spurs, etc. And people are kind of also kind of still worrying about it, saying Alvarez and Foden aren't nailed enough. But Alvarez played 90 minutes times five. Uh, Foden was ill once. I mean, it, 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 I know it again, sir, on it, 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 it does seem a bit sort of boring and template to be making that move, but equally... I mean, Alvarez is electric, isn't he, Nick? He catches the eye when they play, on set pieces, assisting, taking on charts himself, 12th XGI at the minute. He does seem to be the one um, that you just kind of bring in, especially with the Forest away. Uh, when they play away, yes, they are kind of defensively fairly solid, but surely Sissy is going to be far too good for them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he does look supersonic so far this season. Um, and yeah, more to the point that, City assets are really cheap this year. We've talked a little bit in the past about the pep rotation and all of that, but I, there's just not going to be as much of a problem with that, I think, this season, just because of all the changes that have happened. Quite a few of those men that were always kind of in the rotation bucket, like Mares, have left this summer, so it's, it's kind of a newer city now, and they're much more reliant on the likes of Alvarez. Obviously, I think the De Bruyne injury has made him a lot more nailed this season. And same with um, Jack Grealish's injury for Phil Foden, though I did find it quite interesting actually in the press conference today that um, when Pep mentioned Jack Grealish and said he was going to be back soon, that he would be competing with Jeremy Doku, which I thought was quite interesting because he didn't say anything about competing with Phil Foden to start because obviously Foden and Grealish, they always play on the left-hand side. So maybe that's a sign that we might see one of them play a little bit more on the right-hand side, perhaps, and there being a bit more of a Grealish-Doku rotation and Foden being a little bit more nailed uh, this season because that's been the problem, I guess, with Foden in the past. He's obviously considered highly talented, but he was he's never really... we never really had a season with this guy where we've been, like, trusting him to play every single game. So maybe even with Grealish coming back, there's a chance that might happen this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just one of those where you're kind of like, if there's a, a way to get into the into this team cheap, then yeah, I think he's definitely worth buying in. 
That's, that's it, isn't it, really? Let's see where it goes over the next few weeks. I think I'm going to do that at the expense of buying a Newcastle player. I'll talk about it in a minute. Um, don't panic, FPL. If you've got Bruno and Rashford, what do you do with them? I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit. Definitely a bit of frustration with these guys, um, but I think you'd probably stick with Burnley up next. I mean, Burnley are interesting, actually. Obviously, the status before tonight's game, but they've conceded more than their expected goals against. So, 11 conceded versus 6.7 against, which puts them sort of in you know, middle ground. I think a lot of that is Erling Haaland in the first week. But I feel like it's worth keeping at least one, if not both. And as we've kind of mentioned quite a few times, I was not sure where you're running to at the moment. Does that seem about right, Nick? Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, I feel like, you know, you should have probably sold one of them already anyway. So having only one of them, it makes sense to roll in. I guess if you still got if you still got both of them, I wouldn't do it this week now, just because it's Burnley away and you'd like to think that they can turn up the noise for that game. But if it's another blank, I think probably then it would definitely be time to get rid of one of them, even though it's Crystal Palace at home. I think at that point as far as I would be concerned, the patience would sort of be well and truly up. So, yeah, I, I think hold for one more week could be my advice there. Cool. Fair play. Uh, Je- Jeff Peller, our mate Jeddah, asks, are clean sheets not a thing anymore in part down to 100-minute games? Therefore, should we just focus on cheap attacking defenders? And which Newcastle players should we target, actually, as part of this? So, yeah, last year, I think clean sheets actually weren't that rampant. So, I kind of was a bit insulated from this because I got City defenders to start with and I grabbed Trippier fairly early on. So I got those sort of clean sheets dripping through. But this year, it feels like they're at an all-time low. As I mentioned, that nil-nil was the first nil-nil, uh, the, the Chelsea-Bournemouth one for the whole year. Um, but it still doesn't feel too bad, really. It just feels like it's kind of... I don't know, back in the day when you had Liverpool kind of churning out the clean sheets and all those sort of teams that we invested big in, especially in terms of big at the back, even though that never really kind of properly took off, we still kind of had that sort of sense of security about defences. It's just not quite happened, has it? And it feels like kind of we're kind of hoping for Christmas when you do get the clean sheets as smaller squads become stretched. That's going to be the time when it sort of happens. Right now, I mean... Would you just go kind of full on 2015 and just remove all of your your big defenders and on wildcard, Nick, if you were going there? Well, I think this year you've kind of got a little bit more flexibility with the budget anyway. So I would still be looking at the likes of Arsenal, the likes of Chelsea, the likes of Manchester City. I've been a little bit insulated, I guess, this season because... Um, all three of those clubs have had two clean sheets so I've been picking up clean sheets here and there with my players um, so it's not been too bad in terms of those clean sheets I actually went a bit off grid this year I guess um, and ended up with three centre-backs well maybe that's not off grid for me it's more of kind of Nick Pitt classical yeah, Nick classic, Pitt classic uh, Nick with Kanji and um, Saliba kind of entered my squad at the last minute didn't they um, enough said about that so um, you know I'm relatively I'm relatively happy with the defence and I think you know, targeting those core teams, the likes of Arsenal, City, Newcastle, probably a little bit of sprinkling of Spurs, maybe as well, and and Chelsea and Liverpool. You, you can you can budget for those guys and just fit in whoever's nailed. If there's an attacking fullback that's picking up the points and you can afford him, by all means, target them as well. But I, I think um, in terms of 
the teams to target in the defence and and the positions to target. I don't think I don't think it really matters. I think certainly the longer games probably means that there are, are going to be more last minute clean sheet wipeouts that have already suffered that a little bit this year with my Ariola clean sheet wipeout the, the week that I played him in sort of the <laughs> or whatever minute it was. But um, yeah, I, I think I still think that um, you can budget for the best teams and hope that they will kind of maintain some sort of stability in terms of clean sheets, especially against some of the weaker teams in the Premier League, which they tend to dominate. Yeah, I think the one I've really go for obviously is Newcastle. So they are currently fourth from bottom for XGC, um, just kind of just 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 behind Chelsea, and that's with a really kind of stinking first five, which are really tough games with City, Liverpool, and Brighton thrown in there. Um, if they've done that, and I think that I, there's definitely sort of scope to double up on that defence for the upcoming run, which is very, very encouraging indeed. Uh, Sheffield United away, Burnley home, West Ham away, Crystal Palace home, Wolves away, Trickle Trip to Arsenal 11, and then Bournemouth. So a really nice kind of uh, run of expectation all the way up to could just be on bonfire night. So I think that's that's fine. I'm more than happy to do that. It's just one of those where I look at it and kind of think, well, all right. Is, am I still going to be? Am I going to be going for defensive solidity, especially in a season like this, or am I going to be going elsewhere? I think we'll be going elsewhere and going towards an Alvarez. All right, penultimate question: uh, Mitchell Sterling with Champions League and other starting this week. Who can we rely on to avoid rotation in the Premier League? It's a big sort of unknown factor, the Champions League and how it's going to affect certain players, especially with uh, the Europa League as well and the European Conference League also kicking off. Uh, my picks are Wilson and Alvarez, he says, as well as Spurs and Chelsea players who should benefit from extra training time with their new progressive coaches. I mean, any individuals that you're going to be kind of marking out? It sounds like Mitchell's kind of quite keen on Wilson and Alvarez because they are sort of, you know, players who could kind of be taken or leaving or left within the, within the Champions League, uh, but are likely to play in the Premier League for various reasons. And obviously Spurs and Chelsea spoke about them pre-season. Um, what, what do you think on that? Yeah, I'd be reticent to kind of overanalyze who I think from the teams playing in the Champions League are going to play in the Champions League and who's going to play in the Premier League. So more to your point about, you know, Callum Wilson, is he going to be the Premier League player and not the Champions League player? Well, this guy's, you know, pushing 30 soon and um, has never played in the Champions League before. So I'm sure he's going to be chomping at the bit to get some game time and some minutes in, in such a sort of prestigious tournament. So I don't think he'll be satisfied personally to just be the Premier League star and, and miss out on the Champions League. So, yeah, I'm, and same with Alvarez. He's obviously a young guy. Um, you know, doing really well in his career, but will also be wanting to play what he would consider to be the, the biggest stage in the world, which would be the Champions League, probably. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced, to be honest, by that point. No, Mitchell tends to prove me wrong in, in most things, so maybe he's right. Um, but yeah, I, I think in terms of sort of the other teams, as you mentioned, the point about Spurs and Chelsea, I think it's a good one because those teams. Um, aren't going to be in Europe this year. And, you know, the likes of Madison, people like that um, are looking pretty nailed. So maybe the likes of Madison and Son um, will be good picks for those sort of weeks where other clubs are tied up with the Champions League and they're just going to have a lot more time on the training ground to sort of get ready for the, the Premier League fixtures and, and just sort of, you know, looking across the squads um, and the teams in the league, who the talismans are. So obviously, you know, what we talked about a little bit is Mbumo 
Brentford. He's going to be a mm. clear talisman at um, Brentford this season. Um, and then, you know, the Aston Villa guys as well. Obviously, I think they are they're the only conference on there, actually. So they, are, they yeah. do with Europe. But, you know, the likes of um, Watkins and DRB, maybe, you know, just looking at each team and, I guess, calling out who those talismans would be. Yeah, I think um, you know, I think Brighton will take the Premier League, will take the the European competition very seriously. It's first time in the history they've been there. Uh, Villa potentially, I mean, obviously they played their first thing to get past to Bernie, and are they going to keep doing that? I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, and yes, uh, it's, it's kind of one of those things we need to just kind of see what happens with the, with the, with the Champions League teams. You're right not to be kind of second guessing it. And yeah, Chelsea and Spurs are always the ones, I guess. Uh, Chelsea, I think, especially as I mentioned earlier on, I'll give an interesting case of where if you don't acquiesce to the wild card urge, you could well be saying hello to a lot of points uh, if their players are right over the next three against Filler, Fulham and Burnley. I'm not sure if that's the right order, but hey, there we go. Um, yeah, one of those where I, I'm kind of it's one of those, but I kind of, I think we've kind of spoken about this for many years when people kind of start going, oh, there's going to be rotation. You look at it and you kind of think, oh, come on, seriously, just, God. And then you got the armchair physio saying, oh, yeah, but you know, he, he's been playing this and you've looked over the last six years and he's only played this, this and this. And then you know, next week, it kind of gets appended and, and you never hear from that person again. Oh, yeah, just just keep your own counsel on these players. Some rotation is going to happen. But I don't think it's going to be any near as bad as probably you think. I mean, even with Man City, I mean, um, Pep, why am I citing Pep press conference or a Pep statement? But Pep said that you know, Alvarez is near undroppable at the moment, given how he's playing. Yeah, that definitely means he's not playing this week, which would be just reward, really, for me to be buying him in. And then uh, Mr. Watkins to fire versus Chelsea. Final question, <laughs> Clipper and Gill, has there been an old school theme uh, to this week's pod? Well, it's all part of the master plan, is what I'm going to say there. Right, transfers and captains, Nicholas. Let's move on to the end. Uh, here's my team on the screen for those watching YouTube. And I think that I am going to be, yes, ignoring my defence. So that means I'm going to be probably playing Kabor. Ray uh, over Saliba this week, uh, home to Wolves. Kabora is actually really good this week. He came off, came off my bench um, for me. And a couple at the end, I think it was Brown who hit the post from a Kabora uh, cross. So I'm, I'm, yeah, whatever. I think that they're like, he's like to do something versus Saliba against Spurs. So I'm probably playing him. Could still think about a minus four potentially um, to bring in Botman for. Bulldog, but I think I'm probably going to leave it as it is, and maybe, well, I, th- I think I'm pretty likely to be buying um, Alvarez for Watkins. I just keep an eye on the Watkins price, actually. So if Watkins does fall, or is this week, then I think there's definitely a lot of sort of um, appeal in selling Watkins for 9.0 and picking him up again when he's 8.9. In fact, it looks like he's dropping according to fans football hubs. Uh, transfer FPL price changey thing. Uh, I think that that's actually pretty good this year. And so I think that's where I'll go. Obviously, Captain Holland, and just see where it goes really from there. I mean, I'm, I'm again, I look at this team. I look at the team every week. Yeah, Kabore's in there. But other than that, I look at the team every week and just think, oh, it's actually a, a fairly good team. Like, I don't massively trust the players use what's happened thus far. But you know, the pedigree for a lot of them, has me thinking positively. So I think that's where I'm going to go. What about you, Nick? Where are you looking? Yeah, it's, it's very similar, actually. So, yeah, I think I'm going to be making 
exactly the same move as you. Watkins out for Alvarez. It just seems eminently sensible um, to bring in Alvarez. He is the one player that is in form. Um, so I will be doing that. And in terms of the captain, it's the same. Obviously, Forrest at home going to be captaining the Nordic Beach Shields. So that's my team for this week. I'm not going to take a minus for a pre-set up, unlike you in the defence, like Kanji uh, coming back in and he's got Forrest at home. I'm um, hoping that she will play, but if he doesn't, um, it's Levy Colwell as well on the bench and Stupinan, hopefully he'll play as well this week against Bournemouth at home. Well, if he plays, Nick, if he plays. Okay. Cool. Well, I think, I think that's it. Thanks for listening, guys. So, um, yeah, we were who got the assist. Uh, make sure to find us, follow us online. Um, if you use Twitter or X, you can find the main account at WTTA underscore FPL. Um, you can find Pricey at FPL Pricey. And you can find myself as well. No, I'm not particularly active at WGTA underscore Nick. Um, we are also apparently on Instagram and threads if you've ever used that it's wgta.fpl or at fplpricey yep if you enjoyed the pod please do one or all of the following follow us on socials give us a five star rating on Spotify Oceans or whatever or a like on and subscribe on YouTube if you're watching there um, Apologies to some of the shoddy YouTube work this week. I'm sure Pricey is there face palming all over himself. But yeah, normally it's a very professionally produced slick segue system, which I've got loads of like highlighted note to Tom to do. Um, all of these things do help Pod get out of there. And the min league code is M-I-N-L-U-D. I will close that very soon. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know when. Probably, probably kind of you know, at the start of October, something like that. Thanks, Nick, for coming on. It's been it's been quite a while, but very enjoyable to pop with you again. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's always good to come back every so often and make a little bit of a cameo for those that remember me. Yeah, I'm sure the long-term listeners were very, very happy to hear your voice. Uh, Sam's back next week from sunning himself in Turkey. Um, now let's go away and never speak of this game week again. <laughs> Great to see you again on the pod, Nick. I'll see you in person uh, next Wednesday for the National, which we're obviously very excited about. But in the meantime, hope assists you and we'll speak to you again very, very soon. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.